0: You know, there's that whole meme where, like, Sierra's like, just like, there's like a photo of her, like, singing into a mic and her her neck is bulging. And people are like, what song does Sierra <laughs> have that is causing her to sing? With what that sound much? is actually
1: coming out of her mouth in that moment? Yeah, because you're like, it's, it's, it's just like,
0: like, <laughs> you got me thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole neck just is like, oh and you're like, oh my god. (laughs) Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss
1: the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. This week, we're discussing Carrie Hilson's song, Pretty Girl Rock, which appears on her second studio album, No Boys Allowed, released in 2010. The song itself was a platinum success, but it wasn't enough to save her album and was her last release in 10 years. Well, hello. Hi. Okay. (laughs) Was, um
0: what was that hi <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's the awkward artifice of trying to host a podcast and pretend like we haven't been talking to each other for the past 10 minutes. That's true. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so so we're going to Carrie Hillson today. Um I awkwardly read that intro cuz I didn't realize that that part of the script was going to be mine today. Mm. Um I I I'd like to dispute the cat uh uh, the categorization of pretty girl rock by carrie hilson is a platinum success um her hair was platinum yeah it was her hair was platinum i mean you know this this song was i guess it was platinum platinum certified i guess i don't know but success i feel like most people don't really know this song or it never really caught many people's ears like the way that like um what's it called Whatever the other singles of hers are, <laughs> like she, had some, yeah. she had some, bigger, she had some bigger hits prior yeah. to this, and this, this song, the song was like the death knell I, of her yeah. career at that time.
0: Well, um, yeah, it's interesting because it says it peaked at number four on the U.S. Hot R and B and Hip Hop Songs charts. Um, I guess in 2011. Um, I mean, it, it peaked much lower on
1: the Hot one hundred. On the Hot one hundred,
0: so. it was twenty four. It was it yeah. was it said it sold it was it was certified platinum by the RIAA the Recording Industry Association of America for selling over 1 million digital copies. I did not huh. buy it. I believe I you know, I may I may have just illegally downloaded it. I'm not sure. This I was 2010.
1: I, I think I bought it, but I could be misremembering this. I think it was also like an iTunes single of the week. Oh, you know what? You might be right because I so maybe I got it for free from iTunes. I don't know. I have this song. I like this song. The song is on my marathon uh, training list because it, it, it's like when you want to just feel like a sup- a bad bitch with like a superiority complex, mm-hmm. like this is this is the song for you. But anyway, but I mean, we can get into that. But, I, I you know, this whole platinum success thing. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this. Um doing research for this show especially when it comes to like wikipedia which Uh, is like an kind of an open forum yeah like everyone can edit well not everyone but like wikipedia pages can be edited they're kind of crowdsourced information and we kind of trust that that information is reliable and that it is kind of objective and not slanted but on a few different occasions with different artists wikipedia pages i i get a little bit of like um is it stockholm syndrome I don't know like where where you feel like you're being like duped by someone that's yeah. trying to like carve out a very specific picture of a particular point in time and framing events in a very particular way
0: yeah it does it does it does bring up the question of who is the author right because mm-hmm. I do think that there are sometimes like um I'm trying to think of a of a good example. I think when we, when we talk maybe about Patti LaBelle or when we talked about um, certainly some Mariah Carey songs, it's one thing you, you know, you go through the main artist page and it'll sort of give you, you know, a chronology, you know, in chronological order, it'll talk, walk you through their career and sort of the different things. And it'll, it'll mention maybe the albums and the top performing tracks from each of those albums. And occasionally if it was a big enough hit or if there's enough information, there will be a sub page uh, about a particular song. So you go to that particular song because you want to know more. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the details there do not match up the summary on the artist page, right? Like it could be yeah. chart performance. It could be um, actual like year of release or like just like like little details or, you know, critical reception or whatever like that.
1: Um, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of cherry pick certain entries yeah. i feel like cherry pick information from certain sources and then it re- that's why it, this researching for this show gets difficult because then i start like when i see those discrepancies or i feel like something doesn't line up with my recollection mm-hmm. of something i'll like click through to the source to see like okay does this yeah. source still exist what does this source in full say and like mm-hmm. how big or how reputable is this source i guess yeah. it's like um, well,
0: there's a sort of flattening, like to your point about the how reputable it is. There's this sort of, um, you know, like if you look at like what the critical reception to say like uh, a Mariah album was. And it'll have like Entertainment Weekly, Rolling Stone, and then just, t- uh, you know, j- uh, you know, whoever, blah, 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 on IMDb said it was a tour de force.
1: Yeah, like, well, I know that with the, a lot of those, was it Mariah Carey? Probably, like, Mariah Carey or Britney Spears, a lot of the cited reviews, like, journalistic reviews, they're actually, like, what I would consider more of, like, fan sites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Idolator or... Yeah. Um, oh, Mew, Idolator always has, Mew like, Mews. positive...
0: It's, like, a positive review for everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, like, they're, like, stands, right? Yeah. So there's no... There's not an incentive for them to be overwhelmingly positive, but they're just, they're not as And they're gonna, they're gonna like everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I remember like, um, not that I've ever needed to research her, but disgraced former Destiny's Child member, Farrah Franklin, I think it was back in the day. I was like doing a Destiny's Child deep dive and like, Farrah Franklin's Wikipedia page, I don't think it's this way anymore because there were no citations for anything. It was uh-huh. just a page full of citation needed, citation needed. Just effusive praise over Farah Franklin and who her voice had been compared to. I think her voice has been compared to Deborah Cox's voice. And, you know, it had all these plans listed for her and her burgeoning music career. And I was like, where? who Who wrote this really? and i was like farrah franklin probably wrote this herself um <laughs> which is to say that it, it carrie hilson's like her wikipedia presence it, to me on first blush it didn't line up with like how i recall her reception by like the media and by popular culture it, it uh-huh. feels a little bit sanitized mm. in her favor okay i mean it's 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 very hard to find the uh, controversy that surrounds her that kind of leads to her, you know, departure from the music industry for the better part of a decade. Yeah. But also it was just like, yeah, these characterizations of her songs as like hits or...
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it might, I mean, I remember, and again, this is over a decade ago at this point, right? So just trying to think of like... A, how I was experiencing music, right, which is, you know, in a very different way than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, streaming was starting, but not really. So you had, I mean, if
1: you wanted to listen to the full song, you had to shell out a whopping 99 cents. Yeah, you had to really care. It's funny that, like, I mean, it, it's funny that they thought, oh, like, digital, uh, digital downloads of music are going to, like, revolutionize the music industry. People are going to be able to get the music that they want. And then the music industry realized like, shit, people don't even want to spend 99 fucking cents. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We have to give it to them for free, ad supported yeah. in order for anyone to actually start listening to things.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got radio where it's for free, essentially, you know, I think it just it just made it hard. and but I you know, with Carrie Halston specifically, I think what's interesting is, if I remember correctly, I didn't really know who she was. I I remember the narrative. I and again, this is just my memory, being like, "Here's this woman that you don't realize has written all of these songs that you do love," and Mm -hmm. she's like breaking out, like from behind the scenes, kind of like a like a Esther Dean or Bonnie McKee like type of you know, just you know these 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 songwriters who you know have a hand in like all of these uh, you know hits. And mm-hmm. and now they're striking out on their own. And I remember, I just remember this this narrative or or something about like she's so hot, and look at how hot she is, and like this is the girl behind this, and this yeah. is the girl behind that. And um, I think in particular, it might have been around Britney Spears, like the "Give Me More." Was it "Give Me More"? "Give Me More."
1: Yeah, she wrote. She wrote "Give Me More." Um, I think she wrote a couple of other Britney Spears songs off of Blackout, but like, um, because yeah, like she started out as a songwriter. She was, um, part of the clutch. Yeah. Which is like a weird songwriting collective. Like I couldn't quite understand how they operated because the clutch is like, they're credited as songwriters or producers on different songs. But I guess that like there's five of them. And if any two of them participated, it was credited to the clutch, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, Carrie Hilson herself, May not have participated in all of those efforts, but I know she did write "Gimme More." Yeah. Um, what else did she write? I, I can't remember what else. She wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so the, I have. So this yeah. is the thing. This is the thing to circle back to the Wikipedia thing is that like most most artists, like their singles discography or their songwriting discography, Wikipedia pages are normally pretty spare. Like normally, it's really just supposed to be like a sub page of their main artist page like their artist page will have all of the effusive editorializing of all of their biography and information and then you click over to their discography and you might you just want to see like a chart of song titles albums chart placements etc etc right hers has like fully a a, a whole other wikipedia article at the top about what a great songwriter she is Mm. and so that's where i'm like this is all too much like whoever (laughs) is whoever is managing was managing her wikipedia presence they really went ham on making as big a deal as possible out of every single last thing
0: yeah i mean it's so so you know gimme more is is one of them uh, so this is where it did get confusing and where you have to kind of do your research um under under songs written by carrie hilson um on wikipedia or you know whether she got a credit or co-written um migrate from mariah I I think it was there's a migrate was um on equals mc squared. Mm-hmm. And so you click on that page and I was like, she wrote that song. Um but she's not mentioned on this page. Okay however, however, it does say there was a because it says it was written produced by Carrie Mariah Carey and Danger, who was a producer that Carrie Hulson worked with. And then it says with additional songwriting from the clutch. So to your point, if two or more people from the clutch ended up writing a song, then it was considered,
1: you know? And so, so, yeah, it's, but it's it like, did very she weird. write it? Like, I don't understand. Anyway, I assume that if it shows up on this page, that someone was actually verify. I, I hope, I mean that, that she at least had some involvement because there was like, I was looking up like the clutch and like, Oh, what did the clutch write? And there's a, uh, what's that Fantasia song? Which one? Uh the uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, that one. I don't know.
1: Yeah, oh God. It's it's one of those fantasia songs that I know you like. Is it uh like I love mean uh, uh, the, the one that uses truth the metal. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was written by the Clutch. You know, oh. cuz I was oh. like cuz I was looking at like I was looking at like Carrie Hilson's songwriting discography. I was looking at all of like the members of the Clutch and like you know, it's interesting to see like which songs certain people are credited for, which ones only certain people are credited for. You know, by and large, I don't know a lot of the actual songs. Like a lot of these songs that Carrie Hilson wrote, they're not like singles
0: yeah yeah right they're like
1: like, they're like on the they're on the album album. i would say like the biggest hits that she was participating in were like gimme more she's a she's credited as as, oh a backing vocalist come on on chris brown's forever and uh oh she wrote love it she wrote love in the club part two well if you oh, want to get later, to the controversy. Later, controversy yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Which I had even okay, said.
0: So I had even, for, when we get there, I had even forgot that whole thing happened or that, that that was a thing. Cause I was like. Wait, the love in the club thing or like the whole thing? Just the kind of the love in the club thing that Beyonce okay, was on yeah, in yeah, Usher yeah, Track. Yeah, yeah. like I was just like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Cause it, you know, it is crazy to be like 12 years ago, I was a fully adult human. Mm-hmm. Like living in the world and that was my world, you know, yeah. and and to be so far removed from it now, you know, it, it, is, it is interesting because, you know, just thinking about how when you look at older people or people, guess, you know, in, in your life and you, you're looking at older people like, ah, how do they not remember this or how do they not... You know, do all of this. You know, how do how do they not carry these experiences with them into the future or whatever? And and then and then you're like, oh, I didn't even. Re- I don't remember that. I don't remember liking that. I don't remember any of these things. And it doesn't affect how I live my life today. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Anyway, yeah. Um, so with Carrie. But Carrie, anyway, my my main point to this intro conversation that I wanted that I it just triggered in me when I said when I when I said the words platinum success I was like something in the milk ain't clean. <laughs> but again, we're not journalists. We're not trying to maintain any level of journalistic integrity. Well, a little journalistic integrity. Look, we want to you know, be. Tr- we're not. As we're not trying to libel or libel or slander anyone or yell fire in a movie theater. No. But beyond that, we're, we're we're sharing thoughts and feelings, and my feeling is that Carrie Hilson's uh, presence, her overall presence, has this feeling of like trying really hard to puff herself up. I mean, the song, the song "Pretty
0: Girl Rock" is essentially gassing your yourself up to be like. Pfft. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful.
1: Well, I will d- yeah, we, we should talk about that, too, because I think that there's an interesting characterization on her part of this song that I don't think matches up with my perception of this I, song.
0: I think I know where you're going with it, and I 100% agree, okay. especially after listening to it three times in the Starbucks parking lot this morning. Okay.
1: I've listened to this song. I've probably given her about 40 million of her 81.4 <laughs> million streams of this song on Spotify. All right. Um any business to take care of oh you know i wanted to pose this i guess we can pose it pose this issue on on air are we on air i don't know (laughs) um so um our our podcasting platform anchor i'm breaking this news to you jason like in real time um so they recently announced that because they're owned by spotify they are now um providing an integration for the platform to include full songs in your episode (sighs) through Spotify. So it just requires like making a space for in the episode, the whole song must play from start to finish unedited. Okay. The trade-off is any episode using Spotify content can only be distributed to Spotify. So those episodes going forward would no longer be able to be published to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, wow, that's, all um, those platforms. So there's a huge trade-off there. Um,
0: maybe maybe we take it to our um, dozens of listeners <laughs> and we, we, we'll put together a survey. Hey, we are in, in the process of
1: experiencing exponential growth. Those Mariah Carey episodes are very good to us. Um, I hope you stick around with us in our post-Mariah Carey period. Yeah. But if you really want us to keep talking about Mariah Carey, just... Um, leave a comment or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want us to stay on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> leave, us a, leave us a review or a rating. because
0: Yeah, because otherwise, bye Apple Podcasts.
1: Because um, the seven <laughs> or six people that have <laughs> freaking <laughs> left us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts, one of which is me, by the way, oh. full, full disclosure, one of which is me, oh. um, you know, you, you are negligible to us. I.
0: <laughs> I mean that that's probably me sometimes because I used well I guess if I listen in the car, it takes me a long time. So this is like a first world problem. But and I'm in the car. I I believe it's Apple Podcasts. If you hit the next, is it Apple Podcasts or Spotify? You hit the next um, button on your mm-hmm. steering wheel. And it skips forward 30 seconds. Oh. So I can do the skip through the ads. Oh. But like if you do on Spotify, it just jumps to the next episode. Oh.
1: I think. I have to try that. I feel like my, um, my Spotify, when I listen to podcasts, I don't think that my steering wheel button does anything. Unless that's changed because I literally have not driven in about seven months, so I don't
0: know. Adam told me, and then every time I try and do it, like I, I'm in the wrong app, and uh, okay. it all goes to hell, and I and I oh, end yeah. up like I'm like, wait, what am I? What? What? Oh, it's different. Don't that skip the ads. Monetization is no. Important. Well, yeah, but sometimes <laughs> some people, it's fully like four minutes of ads. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like I've got yeah, a place yeah. to be. That's you true. know. Look, look, and 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 that being said. I mean, I have bought stuff from people's podcast ads I have used their codes their codes
1: yeah yeah um of which so. we currently have none but oh you know, well but fine. you know
0: but you know that that's an interesting that's an interesting proposition because like being able yeah. to put it on chime in
1: uh you know yeah e- email us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com or uh go to our website flopredeemer.com, where we'll be posting um songs and links and videos and whatnot in the interim unless we make this switch over to spotify exclusive i mean it's interesting because that that makes a big difference
0: because now you can you can actually hear in real time
1: the song that we're going to talk about yeah you don't have to do this switchy backy forthy Mm -hmm. thing find dd warwick on um youtube or something or like Try and decipher what a song sounds like based on our verbal <laughs> descriptions and our like strange uh, su- uh, self- our constant version our
0: constant. it's just it's just a truly beautiful song
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, should we take this to break and then yes. uh, come right back with the full story of Carrie Hilson.
0: All right. All right. And we're back. We're back from that break.
1: Let's talk about break.
0: let's let's talk about Carrie Hilson because okay. or Miss Carrie
1: Baby. Miss Carrie Baby. Oh, do you <laughs> <laughs> We're never gonna start talking no. about this. But like honestly, like okay, so so m- Carrie Hilson has her like not vocal tick. It's, what a is this? it's a tag. It's a tag. It's tag. Like we were talking about mustard on the beat last <laughs> week or like oh. dark child, dark child, Nana, like all right. that stuff. Or like Mike will made it. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you know, but uh, I think a lot of producers and songwriters, like they like to put their thumbprint on their songs and stuff. Right. So they add these, these little things and Carrie Hilson's, um, her tag is miss Carrie baby. And It fully took me like a while before I heard. I think it was energy. No, uh, it was turning me on. Mm. And turning me on came on the radio and it's like, Miss Carrie, baby. And I was like, wait a second. What the fuck did she just say? (laughs) And I was like, I was asking people, I was like, did anyone, like, did anyone in the studio or. Like, when she was, like, previewing her album to her label, did anyone say, hey, like, do you know what it sounds like when you say Miss Carrie, baby? Like, like, <laughs> do you think anyone pointed that out? Or, like, is this... I don't know. I have to believe that someone, some, some intern must have been at, like, a preview of the full album and been like, hey, you know, it's great that you have this tag, but... Do you can can lady, it be? Can it be, Lady Carrie, baby? <laughs> I know, M- Ms. Miss Carrie, <laughs> but it's always just—it's always just stuck with me as like um, prime example of uh, bad decision making, and why didn't anyone ever hear that? It sounds like Carrie Hilson is saying "Miss Carrie, baby" at the beginning of every one of her songs. Okay, <laughs> so this song that we're talking about today. Pretty Girl Rock, is the second single from her sophomore album, 2010's No Boys Allowed. And in 2010, Carrie Hilson's coming off of a string of, I think, fairly successful singles. She's had um, The Way I Are with Timbaland. She's had Turn Me On with Lil Wayne. And she had Knock You Down with Neo and Kanye West. So at this point in time, like, if I were to forecast the trajectory of her singing career, I would have thought she was like a big star on the rise. And I think that she was very largely promoted as such, but this was not in the cards for her because <laughs> after a, uh, a, a little, a little kerfuffle with Beyonce and the beehive and secondarily Sierra, mm-hmm. but primarily a, a, a little, uh, yeah, a kerfuffle. That's the best word for it. With Beyonce, Carrie Hilson's likability is, Her star power, her, her oomph just gets a little bit of the air taken out of it. And, um, she's never the same. (laughs) So this song, this song ends up peaking at number 24 on the billboard hot 100 and the album debuts at number 11 on the billboard 200. So that's where like, I was really surprised when I read that part of the intro, that, like a number, a song that peaks at number 24 on the billboard hot 100 could sell a million copies. And maybe that's, I mean, the thing about the Billboard Hot 100, I guess, is that, like, it's a blend of airplay and sales. Mm. And so that's where, like, songs that don't get played on the radio but get purchased by hardcore fans, like, it balances out to being kind of a middling song, even if fans love it, and even if fans buy it, just because radio didn't play it. Um, Yeah. But to take you back in time, the week that this song peaked at number 24... Um, the number one song in the country was Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Oh. I, th- th- this is interesting because I don't remember all these songs happening at the same time. Again, time is a mystery. But uh, number two is Fuck You by CeeLo Green. Hmm. Number three was E.T. by Katy Perry. Uh, number four, S&M, Rihanna featuring Britney Spears. Number five, On the Floor by Jennifer Lopez featuring Pitbull. Uh, six, Fucking Perfect by Pink. Grenade by Bruno Mars, Tonight I'm loving You, Till the World Ends, Blow by Kesha. Yeah, so that was like the top 10 the week that this song peaked. The song that beat Pretty Girl Rock in this week that Pretty Girl Rock peaked at number 24, the number 23 song in the country that week was Landslide by the Glee cast featuring Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that hurts me.
1: I, oh, so this song peaked lower than landslide by gwyneth paltrow oh
0: i guess it's a little bit better like i heard you say gwen i, I was like gwen stefani and i blacked out <laughs> when you said gwen, and i was like oh god gwen stefani and then um I, mean,
1: I think gwyneth paltrow is a bigger insult i mean i yes i don't know i mean i guess she at had the time, those she had those I, songs with and she was funny on that show <laughs> I guess, and at the time, like Glee was like a cultural phenomenon. Like you know, yeah. I think but a lot still. of the a lot of those songs were charting on Billboard charts. Uh, yeah, I'm trying uh, to remember where the hell I was in this yeah. week. <laughs> the when yeah, like when, fuck you and Born This Way and E.T. were all being played like nonstop. I remember Katy Katy Perry was having like a big, a big moment that year. Um, yeah, in the week that this album debuts. Uh, I'll compare it to the other debuts that beat it that week. So, the so No Boys Allowed, the album that this song came off of, mm-hmm. debuts at number 11. In that same week, Calling All Hearts by Keisha Ke- Ke- Keisha Cole debuts at number 9. And Best Night of My Life by Jamie Foxx debuts at number 6. What was number 10? Do you know? Number 10 was Loud by Rihanna. But that was yeah. uh, six weeks on the chart after peaking at number 3.
0: Yeah, you know... It's interesting, because you were mentioning some of the other stuff that had come out. And I... Not that this wasn't... I don't know. This song is good. I think it's... I mean, like, sonically. I I enjoy the song sonically. Sonically.
1: I mean, just... No, I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? Like, because
0: yeah. I think... The, we can talk about the content. But um, <laughs> it also just doesn't sound like other stuff that was happening at the time. Like, you mentioned... Um, Lady Gaga was taking over pop essentially. Yeah. Rihanna that album Loud was also very hard hitting and very I think it was taking sort of that pop R&B in another direction.
1: Mhm. I think I mean I think it's relevant to talk about that in this period of time regardless of any any issue specific to Carrie Hilson, it also felt like it also felt like there was a little bit of a shift in Like R and B pop crossover Mm -hmm. singers, because at the same time, I mean, Sierra's having a hard time at this point getting a hit. Mm -hmm. Marie's having a hard time getting a hit. Like, there's a lot of kind of I would say comparable singers at this time that had a really big hit, kind of in the early to mid 2000s. That by 2009 2010, something's happening, and well, yeah, I think you can see it reflected in the fact that like, okay, we're we're getting uh Lady Gaga and Katy Perry topping the charts and then Rihanna is also kind of surging, right? Yeah. Cuz Rihanna had kind yeah. of a soft launch that that catapulted herself into stardom over the course of, I want to I want to say like three albums. You know. That yeah. first Rihanna album is a very throwaway take her leave her kind of thing, right? Like you you didn't know off that first album that she was going to become yeah. so influential and so popular mm-hmm. and so like finger on the pulse. Come mm-hmm. 2010
0: right yeah and her her music and i mean it's it's interesting because this is 2010 2011 you're starting to see that pivot like to your point about r&b like straight traditional r&b or what was r&b pop at the time was gonna start turning make maybe taking kind of a hard left into sort of you have sort of like alternative r&b Right, mm-hmm. and then you you know that was like influenced by like aphrodisiac and human, and you know you know with brandy, um, like some of that sound, and and then also like around this time is like you start seeing that club mix sort of R and B where you have like Usher and Kelly Rowland and and all of them yeah. playing around with like Calvin Harris and Rihanna for sure, and it's just it's almost like there's no this this automatically feels dated. It's like another, it's like a, a relic of like a uh, pre, pre-electronic age R&B.
1: Which is funny for someone like Carrie Hilson in that, you know, she gets her start mm-hmm. working very closely with Timbaland. Yeah. And really, um, I don't want to say at the forefront, but kind of at the beginning of that electro-synth-tinged R&B. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Even with the stuff that she was doing with Danger for like Gimme More or when she debuts with Shock Tre- uh, The Way I Are on Shock Treatment with Timbaland. Like you would think that she was really at the forefront of that and that she could have ridden that wave. But yeah, we can I mean, we, we can kind of like return to the story of this, which is that like Carrie Hilson, she starts out primarily as a songwriter, mm-hmm. right? and in 2006 she writes the song Give Me More for Britney Spears pretty big hit for Britney Spears despite mm-hmm. everything that was happening in her life at that time and then off the on the heels of that she does the vocals for The Way I Are which is the second single off of Timbaland's uh Shock Value album mm-hmm. i still don't was there ever any explanation for why it's called The Way I Are does that no. rhyme with something okay i hate that like when they talk about all these like lyrics that are grammatically um, incorrect and how it was like the intention behind it like They talk about Max Martin writing baby one more time and how people were always like, why is the lyric hit me baby one more time? As though that's something people say, right? Because people were always like Max, you know, Max Martin's first language was not English or his he wasn't super familiar with like euphemistic or uh colloquial english ways of speaking right mm-hmm. so he's always constantly trying to have to check on like oh is this something people would say right like yeah. people say hit me up right so he's like oh okay so hit me baby one more time and i guess britney spears at the time when she's like 15 she's like oh yeah sure like that's fine well it's like that ariana grande song oh uh, yeah yeah also yeah. max martin though yeah right yeah, you're just like uh, that what did she sense. say um is, is that break free yeah uh uh what a, What's the, what's the oh, funky god. lyric? Oh god, now in, I need to... It's, it's another like subject verb agreement <laughs> promo. Become who I are or something? Break free...
0: <laughs> okay, I just typed in Ariana Grande break free grammar. <laughs> if you have a problem with Ariana Grande's grammatically erroneous lyrics, Ariana Grande fought Max Martin over these. She said, I'm not going to sing a grammatically incorrect lyric, help me God. Max was like, it's funny, just do it. I know it's funny and silly, but grammatically incorrect things make me cringe sometimes. Because what she says in in Break Free is, now that I've become who I really are, as well as, I only want to die alive, both of which make little sense. She said, but after some back and forth, Grande learned an ironclad rule in the pop music world. You don't win a fight against Max Martin and then she said now she's grown to enjoy the humor in the song quote i need to shake it off and let it go and be a little less rigid and old grande told time quote i'm like 90 i need to not be that old okay for the record this was in 2014 six years ago when she was like five so i don't
1: good for her for for fighting for subject verb agreement (laughs) (laughs) anyway i I took a sidestep there but the way i are she provides the vocals on that and that's like that really is like a strange transitional r&b pop electro synth Mm -hmm, thing mm. that timbaland is kind of bringing up yeah it's very clubby in a different way that's one of those songs too that charted it charted high on the billboard hot 100 but very low on the r&b charts it was like a number three, I think, Hot 100, but it was like 49 on the r and It's like R&B radio was not playing that song. Which kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, like, especially before then,
0: it's like, that wasn't mainstream r and I mean, that was still very much an outlier,
1: right? Yeah. Like, but still, it's Timbaland, you know, you'd think he had some kind of cachet. But uh, so off the success of The Way I Are, Carrie Hilson is signed to Timbaland's label, Mosley Music Group. And at the time, that was the home to Nelly Furtado, One Republic, and Chris Cornell, among others. Mm. But, um, you know, it's just that period of time where um, Timbaland had kind of turned Nelly Furtado's sound around, doing, like, Promiscuous. And Verizon. um, (laughs) Verizon?
0: Wasn't it all those Verizon
1: commercials? Really? (laughs) That... I thought so. Oh, that yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like turned Verizon around too. Um, you know, and and at the time, like when Republic was really like largely unknown, I feel like, yeah. and then uh, Timbaland did the remix of what was that song called? Apologize, apologize. Oh. I was gonna sing it, but I don't want to sing that song because Ryan Tedder. Um, <laughs> he might come for you. No, I mean, I his, his songs just like it's like wine, wine with an H, kind of triggering um <laughs> so she gets signed to to uh, timbaland's label she releases her first album in a perfect world which spawns nine singles jason mm. nine singles and this is where i really feel like uh, carrie hilson's wikipedia presence really jumps the shark because i was like nine singles what does this even mean and i think they included all the different songs that were released in like different territories blah 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 blah. the only songs that actually ever charted on this album were energy turning me on and knock you down yeah because
0: i'm like nine i'm looking at this track listing i'm like there are only 14 songs on this album
1: yeah so again singles carrie hilson seems so prolific for someone who really had this very like limited period of time when she was yeah. actually recording her own music um not to say that she isn't but it, it feels it, be, compared to my perception of her presence in my face on in the media and on the radio did you say my face in my face oh like oh, my, oh oh, oh yeah, like sorry. The, the way that my face perceived images oh. on screens
0: <laughs> i was like it's my space barry
1: <laughs> I was like, what are you? Th- okay sorry <laughs> um speaking in 90 years old geez um okay <laughs> and i mean i remember having a hard time with figuring out from those three singles like those three singles performed pretty well i think the biggest hit was knock you down mm. with neo and kanye west yeah but i had a hard time figuring out like okay based on these three songs who is Carrie Hilson, right? What kind of music is she trying to make? Yeah. Um, I would have thought that as like, as a part of the clutch, as someone who worked with danger, as someone who was working with Timbaland, that her music would be more in the, I guess, turning me on. Yeah. Realm or energy realm. Knock well, you down was an interesting move. Yeah. They don't really sound the same. And you know, what's interesting to me
0: is even energy because I, I hadn't listened to the song "Energy" in a long time. I think
1: that's actually my favorite. Yeah, of the I was three. gonna
0: say. I was also gonna say. <clears throat> I think that a song like "Energy," which which is definitely more for two thousand, what is this, two thousand nine? Um, at the time, more ambient, mm-hmm. in, in a way, right? And electronic. Like, there's. There, I was like, you know, this would almost be good now. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it would kind of make sense now. Like, it has that sort of... It has a vibe that feels very 2020.
1: Very 2020. Um, but at the time, I don't think that this would have... And it didn't make a big impact for, no. like, R&B audiences. No. It's almost like if you wanted Leona Lewis to do a more dancey song than you're used to Leona Lewis doing, this is... This could be a good Leona Lewis song. Yeah, but I put. think... But I, I also... Even, but it's a great song aside... by Carrie Hilson.
0: Well, and I think that format suits her voice, because it has to be super layered. And so then her voice... Cause, yeah. Because you know how I feel about my, these, you know, sometimes thinner-voiced women. Oh, Jason. <laughs> I know. But I have the same problem with, like, Ciara and, like, Ashanti. Um, and...
1: is a little creamy nasally to me.
0: Yeah, but you know there's that whole meme where, like, is like, just like, there's like a photo of her, like, singing into a mic and her th- her neck is bulging and people are like, what song does Sierra have that is causing her to sing? What sound much? is
1: actually coming out of her mouth in that moment? Yeah. Cause you're like, it's, it's, it's just like, like <laughs> it got me thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and like her whole neck just is like, "Oh," and
0: you're like, oh my God. <laughs> but, but you know, I feel like that sort of production does her, Justice. Now, to your point about, you know, um, the, the other two songs, um, what was it? Uh, turn me on, turn me and on, knock you down, knock you down. Those are, those are very much more like in line with what she was doing. Mm-hmm. But I think i like them less because I never really liked her voice that much.
1: I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it was very, I find, of her, the vo- time. I find her voice to be a little bit nondescript.
0: I it's mean, non-descript, it's she- a little,
1: it's a little, yeah. In that she, you know, has her start as like more of a songwriter, mm-hmm. there is a certain session singer or like demo singer quality to her voice mm. that doesn't necessarily feel like there's an identity. Like it's waiting for an identity to be placed on top of it. Well, it's 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 you know, it's hers, that whole are, the thing ghost, about it. hers are like the ghost singer vocals that get blended back into someone yes. else's more distinctive yes. voice. Which isn't a bad thing,
0: right? <laughs> like there's definitely she's like it's like Christina Million. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, where it, like it blends so well, and also it lends itself really well to like demos, right? Because she's she's technically a very good singer, um, you know, and it's just. Yeah. But I but I also think that like because of the production, you know, the songs that she was releasing, like at the like you contrast those two songs with energy and energy. There's like a lot more reverb on her voice, and mm-hmm. again, it's just more layered, and it it sounds like now. And I realized I was like, oh, this is so interesting because. I bring to it all of my bias against Carrie Hilson and this, like, ugh, I, her voice, like, to your point, nondescript, and, you know, this just sounding very thin and just grating almost to me. Uh huh. And then I get it. I listen to that and I'm like, wait, this kind of sounds like stuff I listen to now. And it's like, well, how, you know, I feel like there's a lot of singers now who have sort of that kind of voice, but because of where, you know, maybe the trends in music are right now. It's more acceptable to have this kind of production where you can. It actually it does your your voice more justice, and yeah. you know, it's it's more about like the 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 I don't want to say like the music, and as if previously it wasn't about the music, but it's like a whole it's a whole point of view as opposed to yeah. I think R and B at that particular time, like so much of it was like your voice, mm-hmm. like is your voice like you mentioned Beyonce like. Beyoncé could dance, could could perform, was beautiful, and has this voice. And it was, you know, it's almost like, you know, with R&B in particular, a lot of times, like, your vocal prowess has to really shine in order mm-hmm. for you to really be taken seriously sometimes.
1: Yeah, because we're not getting, we're not yet getting a lot of, like, the super... Or we had kind of pulled away from super layered instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. for R&B. And I think that's I think that is where a lot of winnowing happens with the R&B songstresses of the late 2000s is like basic instinct. Sierra, like I feel like when you pulled back all of the production and went into what was then a more current R&B sound, her voice was really like left. It was like stranded on an island. <laughs> You know, it, or like all of the water had kind of receded away <laughs> from her voice in the way that, like, all a lot of her older songs that were big hits just were so lush mm-hmm. and buoyed. Yeah, her voice, and they're fun. You know? I mean, like, not to take anything away from
0: Sierra, because she's an amazing no. performer and, um, you know, and, and a very talented artist. It's just, yeah, it's like, it's trying to find
1: that sweet spot. Yeah. And what works. Yeah. Cause I remember like a lot of those basic instinct songs came out like the same, I think they tried like four or five different singles off that, off that album. I mean, she was, I think she was undergoing like a label change at the time, but I remember being like, wow, like when you get that, like Sierra unplugged experience, (laughs) it's like, oh, is this what I've been hearing for the past, like eight years from Sierra? And I just didn't know it. It was, it just didn't suit her to your point about like. It's 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 about the big picture. It's about fitting the voice mm-hmm. to the song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point in time, like, they had really nailed that formula with, like, Rihanna, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, you think about, you know, famously, like, Janet Jackson's voice, mm-hmm. right? Like, the production, over the course of her career, the production, the songs, the performance of it, like, it all suits the fact that, like, I think we all know... Or can can imagine that for most of the time when Janet Jackson's in the studio, they just like she sits in a dark room. They put the microphone as close to her face as possible, and they're like, "Don't exert yourself, Janet. Just we'll turn everything up around you." <laughs> you know, and it's <laughs> right because yeah. because it's 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 so jarring because like you watch like her performance and she's so she's hitting every beat so hard, and it's like.
1: Yeah. You know, like it, she but, was like the early master of that, like lip syncing to your a own plausible. Vocal. Yeah. Like lip syncing to a plausible non album version of your own vocal. Yeah. So that you're like, this doesn't, you're like, this sounds like a live vocal because it's not what's on the album. But she's like huffing and puffing and throwing herself all back and forth around the stage. It doesn't sound like she's doing that. <laughs> well, I think,
0: I know Mariah did that too. Um, you know, like she would record a live vocal. And I think Beyonce does too. Like, you know, for some of her backing for the for the yeah. tour. Where, yeah, they do a actual live recording and then that's the track that's played under if they need support. Which is um, smart. Yeah, because then it's like, it is live. I mean, they were doing, well, live in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, not the studio version, but... Um, Anyway, anyway, so yeah,
1: so Carrie
0: Hilson, what were we? Even you should listen about? to Energy. Give, listen give, to ener- give energy a shot.
1: So the second single off of "In a Perfect World" is a song Turnin' Me On," featuring Lil Wayne, uh, produced by uh, uh, Polo to Don. Did I say that right? Polo, yeah, I think so. Polo to Don? Polo, I polo, I, th- I think it's Polo. Polo to Don. We're hip, um, guys. We're hip. We're Hello, fellow young people. <laughs> um, polo to... I mean, Carrie Hulson's like our age. It's fine. I know, I know. Uh, I know.
0: <laughs> Correction, Barry. She's my
1: age. Oh, she's your... I'm sorry. She's younger <laughs> than me old, but she's your age. But, okay, so in 2009, there's this leaked version of Turning Me On that comes out. And in it, there were some there was a verse that Carrie Hilson does in the leaked unreleased version that many perceive to be a slight against uh, more mostly Beyonce but also Sierra because Carrie Hilson had like Carrie Hilson and or The Clutch had written songs for Sierra right like I think The Clutch wrote like a boy oh yes they did do you happen to have the, the diss track lyrics uh,
0: <laughs> I do I think um, yes
1: <laughs> Because yes. she's, she, she, she. Um, how would you describe what happened? So the song leaks. It's an unreleased demo. It sounds like something that was not meant to be released. Because I, I haven't heard it, but when you, yeah, you can, listen yeah. to people talking about it, um Carrie Hilson said like it was never meant to hear the light of day because you can hear Polo to Don like talking in the background. Yeah, like he's in the mix somewhere. So it was it was unfinished because. There's all the stuff that should that would have just been kind of cleaned up. Yeah so g- give me give me give me
0: the diss lyrics. the so to be clear, the remix leaked. it was not officially released correct. Um, but the the lines in question are your vision cloudy if you think you to best, you can dance, she can sing but need to move it to the left. She need to go have some babies. She need to sit down. She fake them. Other chicks ain't even worth talking about. And so people heard that your vision cloudy. If you think you're the best, you can dance. She can sing, but need to move it to the left. And so people interpreted that as a Beyonce dig because of irreplaceable. You know, to the left, to the left. Which um,
1: I mean. Like, to put that in, to also put that in context, there was minor controversy over Beyonce's comments about Irreplaceable. Do you remember that? Which ones? Okay, so Beyonce, Beyonce had been talking in interviews about how, like, oh, well, when I wrote Irreplaceable, I was thinking about this, that, and the other. And that song is, you know. Famously. For all intents and purposes, that song is co-written by Beyonce. Beyonce has a writing credit with Neo. Like, that's clearly a Neo song. And there is a Neo demo of that song with him singing that song lyric for lyric, word for word, like note for note. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think Neo had made a radio appearance where he kind of artfully clapped back on that claim that Beyonce actually had anything to do with the writing of that song. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and it's interesting. So so you talked about... You know, people coming in and, you know, you know, what was the... Um, if I were a boy. What was the comment? No? Yeah, you yeah, know, but there was... there was, some, Yeah, if I were a boy and how, like, you know, sometimes you just let it go because, you yeah, know, what like, they can do you for let you. Beyonce,
1: like, yeah. Beyonce will listen to a demo. Well, this is, you know, allegedly, like, Beyonce will get demos from tons of people and be like, record my song, record my song. And she'll listen to it. She might change a word. She might say like, I would never say this. She might change a word here or there, or she might, um, change the melody a little bit to be more her, Mm -hmm. at which point she gets a writing credit. She gets a production credit because she is not doing the demo note for note as it was, as it was done. Well, it's interesting. It's relevant
0: to this. So we had just talked about Sia and Sia collaborating with Christina. Aguilera and one of the things that Sia in the interview that she gave um where she was talking about you know sort of what that process was like and how excited she was to work with Christina Aguilera. Sia kind of went on and on about what a wonderful partnership it was working with Christina like to just like she was super impressed by the fact that Christina just like came and they basically had like intense writing sessions. And they would just write. And also she would just kind of let her, let Sia sort of lead the songwriting process because in her words, it was like, I hired you to bring your quirkiness to my music. So I Mm -hmm. wanna be kind of where you are. And they just kind of went back and forth and that's where they came up with those four songs. And Sia, who had also written um, Pretty Hurts, for Beyonce's, um, Beyonce album. She talked about the sort of writing camp, songwriting camp that Beyonce ran like in the Hamptons. And I and I know it was mm. talked about at the time, you know, they, they basically they rented a, a big house and they brought all these writers there and they were all in different rooms, you know, and they would, they would come together like at night, they would have like family dinner essentially. But like during uh-huh. the day you were kind of, you were either paired up with someone or you were on your own in a room. And Beyonce would just kind of like pop in, and I've and I've heard that kind of with Rihanna too. Like when she has like a songwriting camp, they'd put everyone in a hotel, like in back to back like stateroom or uh, what do you call rooms, and um, you know Rihanna would just kind of check in with each with each one, and be like. And so, Sia sounds says, like a so-
1: it sounds like a little bit of a factory in that. A little sense. bit of a factory,
0: yeah. It's it's a camp, um, yeah. And so Sia was talking about and. She, I don't I don't know that she was trying to be pointed or make it like a diss, right? But she was talking about how much she preferred writing with Christina to because it was a full-on collaboration, versus, and then she says, she said, versus, you know, like like a camp like that where, you know, Beyonce would come in and she would say, I like the I like the verse from this, the pre-chorus from that. And the chorus from that thing. Can you put it all together? And then she would leave. And then she's like, and then you know they come in and take a third. of the <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> And
1: That's I like think the it worst was just kind of client. I, well, I, swear I know out.
0: exactly. And I think again, like you know, Sia just being Sia. I don't think she was trying to diss, but I think it was a little bit more transparency than we usually see about that process. And yeah, you know, because Beyonce famously is credit has a songwriting credit on every song all the time mm-hmm. and remember on her live album where she was like well we were in the recording studio and i wrote survivor and everyone's like what you wrote
1: mm-hmm.
0: like from our own experiences and it just like yeah. it, everything was like i, I was on the, pl- this, I was on the plane I yeah
1: and writing the lyrics to say my name and I'm like, okay
0: yeah and i mean you. it's like okay Fine. You know, to your point, like sometimes in those instances, it's, but, but like some of these songwriters you have to remember that, that she's writing with are not, they are, they are stars in their own right. They are people, successful musicians in their own right who have their own egos, who, who, who bristle at the idea that like they don't get any credit on some of these things, right? Because that, yeah. are, that end up being huge songs. And then, you know, well,
1: it sounds like Carrie Hilson, it sounds like Carrie Hilson was, um, she was maybe prickly.
0: talking about that.
1: Well, yes. Cuz part cuz cuz there was another part of that verse that said something about like um you know, check the credits. Something alluding to the fact that like she had written a lot of these hits that other people were taking credit for and she's like check the credits like look to see who actually wrote these songs. Um I can't
0: but but my my <laughs> it's hard for me to look at the list where she has credits and be like I don't know these songs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like what, what hits are we talking about? But not to take anything away from like, you know, writing the music, but I'm like, what are you talking
1: about? And I think that's the thing though, is that like, she's maybe not taking a hit at people for whom she had written songs that we're trying to take credit for. But like, just that the idea that she's somehow better than because she's singing and writing. Yeah. And trying to kind of puff herself up in that way. Yeah. And I, I will say that like, Okay, I had a couple thoughts on this. One is that, like, in certain types of music, in rock music, in country music, in rap music, there is a premium placed on performers writing their own material. And that to not write your own material in those genres is a detriment to you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Especially within rap where I feel like you know people throw around accusations about like Drake having a ghostwriter or Iggy Azalea having a ghostwriter and that that undercuts their credibility as rap artists, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like with pop, R&B singing, it's it's not given that same cachet that like you don't necessarily expect your pop singers or your R&B singers to have to be the writing song. their own material. You don't yeah. think Britney Spears ever wrote any of her songs, you know, um, I don't think Diana Ross the Supremes. Like you don't, you, you, you really think of like, you're tuning into this person because of their instrument, because mm-hmm. their voice is exceptional or because I don't know, or their dancing yeah. or their performance style is exceptional, not because they have a musical background, like a musical composition background. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's always interesting to me where, uh, someone like Carrie Hilson comes into play where she does have a songwriting background and that, that does not help her in any way with her career on the other side of the microphone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think you see that like, again, like Esther Dean. Yeah. That's never Brilliant. helped her on the other side of the microphone. Um, You know, Julia Michaels, right. Julia Michaels has had some success as a singer, but like by and large, you know, the majority of her work has been as a songwriter with um, mm-hmm. Justin Tranter, who mm-hmm. also didn't get a lot of success as well, the did front you, man. Did you see them? Semi, is it Semi Precious Weapons?
0: Yes, I I saw them open for Lady Gaga, like in the Born This Way tour, or whatever. No, Monster Ball, Monster Ball okay. tour, the first one before sh- before um, people they re released before they oh, okay. re released everything, and then like. Then she became, like, even bigger. And Chris and I were sitting there. We saw it in San Diego. And it was unlistenable at the time. I mean, like, I <laughs> could not. We were like, who are these? Uh, who is this? Like, what's happening? And so when I found out that Justin Tranter you know, had
1: written. He, like Selena uh, Gomez. Yeah.
0: Like, I was like, oh. Like, I mean, I, I think he's a great songwriter. You know, I think... Our pop so it, doesn't, songwriter.
1: it doesn't necessarily translate back and forth
0: no no and it's also it's also just interesting because it's like i didn't know that was in you because that wasn't the music you were putting out
1: yeah yeah i yeah i feel like i'd listened to some of like semi-precious weapons music and i was like this this is what this is okay cool yeah. but yeah. not for me yeah. but so this so there's that aspect of it that like songwriting doesn't necessarily help your pop performance career but also this idea that I want to characterize it as a very male energy to call out others in order to lift yourself up that I think that that's something that's largely accepted for male artists to do to basically say you can dance she can sing you know check yourself kind of stuff yeah are you hearing something
0: I am are you hearing something
1: Scraping, 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 like scraping. Yeah, did you Are we, hear are we haunted? No, no no. No, no, no. Are the Russians here? Was... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can see them from my house. <laughs> Speaking of an old reference, <laughs> no, but I, uh, you, know, you, know,
1: you know, so, so, the, so this I, verse, I, see, yeah. I feel like it because you know, well, uh, they, they all try to figure out like, well, how did the song leak? What was the intention behind this? Like, uh, this, but you talk about it, and, and and she says she didn't write it. And, and Paula,
0: that Paula, Paula Dodon gave it to her and wanted her to, to do a, like a fiery track. And and so to your point about it being like sort of this male energy. Yeah. She recorded it, but she says that like he gave it to her to do. So she didn't write it. And he agrees with that. Like, I mean, at least from the research that I said, that he, he agrees. And he also agrees that she fought him on, well... Didn't fight him, but when they were like pre when they were like previewing this track, people started naming names and they were like, Are you talking about, you know, so and so? Are you talking about so and so? And they both were like, No, 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 no. But because people were starting to put names to it, they both agreed that it made more sense to not release the track because it was gonna be controversial. Which I understand that, but also it's like, then why do it in the first place? Yeah.
1: Like then why would you even do that? There's a certain mentality of believing that like, if you're the, the small, small, the underdog. Yeah. 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 That you can get some clout by going after someone big. Right. Yeah. Again, like I feel, I feel like that's like a, that's like a very male thing. It's a very like art of warfare type of thing Yeah. to like lift yourself up by going after someone big and that, you'll get a little bit of clout or you'll get some influence. But again, in a way that I don't think is accepted for women to do. Well, yeah. Again, it's like it's like when all those... It's like when when rappers beef with each other and... Which I also hate. It's kind of accepted <laughs> as like a... But it's like accepted yeah. as a thing to galvanize your fan base. And hopefully, like, people will side with you. Yes. And obviously that yeah. backfires sometimes. But like, it's accepted as like somewhat of a strategy, right? But I don't think that that plays out in the same way when you are a pop R&B singer.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the accepted culture of yeah. that, right? Like, I mean, we talked about beefs when we talked about like Patti LaBelle and Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. You know, Aretha Franklin being sort of notorious for, you know, sort of her feuds, but yeah. or alleged or perceived. But um,
1: she would be, they, I, I feel like you have to be artful.
0: Yeah. Well, and your talent has to, and, and your talent, like, I mean, has to kind of elevate you above sort of, like, where the criticism doesn't, because you're just so talented that, like, the not to say that it's right, but the criticism doesn't
1: stick. But you're also never gonna, like, explicitly say something negative about someone else in particular, right? Yeah, well,
0: I mean. Because I feel like
1: Aretha had a very bless your heart kind of <laughs> meanness to her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes back into the great gowns, beautiful gowns comment, yeah, right? But yeah, like, it, it's more about what she's not saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, than what she is saying. Like, she'll never say this person is garbage, this person can't sing. She will say great gowns, beautiful gowns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I
0: think, you know, so so there's that aspect of it, of this, right? Where it just kind of, yeah, it's
1: like a. It's a pettiness, and like a, and it really pervades her public image. Even to me, like at the time, I was like, "Oh, Carrie Hilson is f- kind of full of herself." Well, okay, so okay, because also, wait, yeah, this is this is supplemented uh-huh. by a red carpet appearance. Is mm-hmm. this what you were going to talk about? Well, I was going to
0: talk about that and and some other things, but yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, no, this is the only other thing that I remember too is that during a red carpet appearance, um, I forget what magazine it was. Source, I think they had a cover story about Jay-Z and Beyonce and they were asking everyone on Oh no, this juicy, car-
0: juicy Magazine.
1: Okay, Juicy Magazine. They were asking everyone to kind of take a photo holding up their latest issue. And this issue just happened to have Jay-Z and Beyonce on, it, on the cover, right? And other artists had been doing this like, sure, whatever, you know, click. I don't know if Carrie Hilson felt like she was being targeted with this. Like this is like a gotcha moment. But she just flat out was like, "No, I'm I'm not going to do that." Yeah, not angry or anything, but just kind of like, "No, no, no, not today," you know, kind of thing. But it kind of by not doing it when everyone else had it, it, fueled this idea that Carrie Hilson has a problem with Beyonce. She thinks she's better than Beyonce, or she feels like she's being kind of set up in opposition to Beyonce in some way.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's the, there's you know, the, again at the time, you know, Usher had done that video, or the um… Love in the Club? Love in part the two? Club, part two. that The remix? famously featured Beyoncé, I think swirling around in an oversized martini glass, <laughs> um, like in a club. And I had completely forgotten this whole thing happened. But allegedly, like, he replaced Carrie Hilson with Beyoncé in that video, or in that remix. Correct. And so that, like, co- uh, contributed to the diss track.
1: Yeah, because I don't know. Did Carrie Hilson write the Beyonce part? I know she talks about being like, oh, well, it's cool. Like, I feel like she said she wrote that. Somewhere. I mean,
0: you know, you have to remember at this time also, like, if I, Beyonce's like, if I were a boy, single ladies, like, that's all blowing up at this time. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Carrie Hilson, great. But, like, not single ladies. Like, like if you're Usher and you're trying yeah. to make an impact, like, and you have the opportunity to have beyonce do it
1: and i mean usher had already uh usher had already bumped beyonce from one collab Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beyonce was supposed to do the uh collab for my boo and they bumped her for alicia keys we (laughs) talked about usher and the the awkward moment between monica and brandy during the versus battle about monica wanted to work with usher again and he was just like nah (laughs) he said no
0: (laughs) Brandy's face when Monica said that he said no. And they both just like look at each other. And they're like, oh. She's like, yeah, he said no. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. But, you, so, know, uh, you know, it's all it all comes uh, together. But you take all of that, right? You take this sort of like all of these things happening that are creating this narrative. And then you look at the
1: actual lyrics of Pretty Girl Rock. Okay. Yeah. Let's get, let's get there. Let's get into the song.
0: Right. Like it's yeah. It's my, my name is Carrie, <laughs> which is fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so problematic
1: right from the no, start.
0: Um, I'm so very fly. Oh my. It's a little bit scary. You know, pretty as a picture, sweeter than a swisher, mad cause I'm cuter than the girl that's with ya. I don't got to talk about it, maybe you can see it, but if you want it, I'll be happy to repeat it. And all eyes on me when I walk in, no question that this girl's a 10, don't hate me cause
1: I'm beautiful, don't hate me cause I'm beautiful. So, it's about all this. It's just, Just, okay, (laughs) the way that Carrie Hilson characterizes this Mm -hmm. song in the press, is, uh, is one of truly like this is supposed to empower women. This is supposed to make any woman of any shape, size, color, creed uh-huh. feel beautiful, feel like she's a ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is your anthem for when you want to know your own worth, which is beautiful. But I don't think it. It doesn't feel I, supported. It doesn't line up necessarily with the content of the song. No. Or. At the very least, it's like, yes, you as the listener, if you're projecting yourself into the singer of this song, yes, you'll feel great about yourself. But it brings up the larger question of, like, why do you have to tear other people down mm-hmm. to make yourself feel better? When she's saying stuff about, like, I'm better than the girl that's with you or, like, don't worry about what I think. Why don't you ask him? Like, yeah. oh, girls think I'm conceited because I know I'm attractive. Don't worry about what I think. Why don't you ask him? Yeah. It like, like puts it back on the, like. Yeah. It. it, it In as much as it's meant to be uh, a confidence booster to women, it's also tearing down other women Mm -hmm. at the same time, which is is my main problem lyrically with the song. Even though, again, like this song, it's a great, like, it's it's, it's somewhere between mid-tempo and up-tempo. It's like the perfect pace for running because it's not super fast and Uh it's not... Too slow. It's got a good like cadence for your stride rate that you want. Yeah. But, and if you just want to feel yourself, like, hey, yeah, hey, it's great.
0: No, and 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 not to mention the video, I think is great. The video, mm-hmm. you know, is what sold me on it. Um, you know, if you if you're not familiar with the video, um, Joseph Kahn directed the video, and you know, um, Carrie portrays different black. Singers or performers at in in various eras. So you have the twenties, and she's supposed to be like it's in black and white, and she's Josephine Baker. When it, it, then it, then it moves to the thirties, and um, she is Dorothy Dandridge. You know, in the thirties, sort of like gown. Then she's you know she's she's Diana Ross in the Supreme. She's Donna Summer. She plays um, Janet Jackson, and then t or T-Boss from TLC. And mm-hmm. you know it, it, it it's it's a fun song it's a fun video i will say that the portion of the video where she's i think it might be the andrew sisters but like in the 40s and they're like doing like the you know for the troop sort of thing she kind of <laughs> looks like joan crawford
1: <laughs> like, yeah no i mean I, I would say that in general she does look like joan crawford
0: yeah 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 so it's, it's by that's, extension that's faye dennery and mommy
1: dearest yes
0: yes like, it's, it's very strange. But, um, you know, it's a fun... It, 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 it adds a fun element to the song. And you forget that, like, literally, it's just, like, her whole thing about, like, I'm not conceited because ask your man. He thinks I'm hot, so I can't be conceited because <laughs> empirically I'm hot. Yeah, it's like, what kind of what? And so to your point about, like, the diss track being sort of, like, tearing other people down, like having that energy, you know... It's, it's all well and good to be like, this wasn't what I was putting out there. And, you know, I'm just about, you know, everyone. Like, I was just, you know, trying to be like telling my haters to like step off or whatever. And, and, and saying that like, you know, all, of, you know, the, the thing about me, you know, not wanting to hold the magazine on the red carpet, you know, with Beyonce and Jay-Z on it was just, you know, misinterpreted. That's not what I meant. It's like, well, when you put it, all, this all happened within the same year or year and a half. It like, yeah. it all... It just, you know, and I hate the term likability, but she just came across as just sort of like a chip on her shoulder who thought she was super hot and deserved more and was coming for the people at the top as her way to get it. And it just really rubbed me the wrong way because I also think that like, I didn't feel like there was enough in her discography (laughs) or like what she'd done to be
1: like, okay. Nine singles, Jason. Nine singles.
0: <laughs> she did a lot she did a lot um but, but you know what I mean. I mean like it just didn't yeah. back it up it's not it doesn't have the weight of like
1: yeah and i think especially for someone whose voice is rather nondescript yes yes to also be doing that it feels a little bit like out of line
0: uh-huh and that's weird to say i don't i don't know how to phrase that but i i agree with you it's like girl that's not your. <laughs> it's not your lane. It just,
1: it just, yeah, it didn't seem like her lane. Like she could have been fine doing the rest of the stuff.
0: Would have been fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, I really like this song. I felt like it's funny because lyrically, it's almost like it's wrong song, wrong person, wrong time. Because okay, thought experiment: if Lizzo had sung this song, would your perception of it lyrically be different? It's an interesting
0: hypothetical. I don't think so. Like it would have had a different vibe. It would have been more. I feel like it would have been more cheeky, and I think Carrie mm-hmm. Hilton doesn't do cheeky. She kind of comes across as like mean girl. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think Lizzo would write a song like this.
1: Yeah, coming for another because no, because
0: woman. because that's not like you know what I mean. And so I think it's like
1: it it's is like, that thing yeah, where "Good as Hell" is basically about like it's about her. I'm, I'm yeah, like I'm feeling myself in and of myself. Yeah. like it doesn't like, matter I don't what mean, anyone else exactly. thinks or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your man thinks, it doesn't matter what you think.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just about me. And it's not putting it on like you, you know, it's not putting it on this other woman to be like, check with your man. Yeah. And like, you know, when he's saying like jealous cause I'm prettier than the girl that's with you. And it's like, that's so like <laughs> what? What a horrible thing to say. <laughs> 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 like imagine living your life like that. And like, I mean, like just But I think that's the problem that I've had with Carrie Hilton. Now, you know, she did say, well, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say that. So, you know, what I was talking about, the fact that, like, it's a very accepted male energy Mm -hmm. to do this type of stuff, to come at people sideways. Is that Mm. what it is? This song was written by Neo, right? Neo? (laughs) Did he? Shit. She didn't write it? No, she's not listed as a songwriter on this. Oh yeah, it was written
0: by Neo and Chuck Harmony.
1: Yeah. And so that's where like it's funny because I feel like Neo was noted at the time for being able to embody a female perspective in his songwriting, mm. whatever that means. Yeah. And so in that sense, I'm like, "Oh, you know, is this something that like a male songwriter like Neo thinks like a woman A woman could get away with." that people wouldn't come after a woman for for coming at this topic in this way, you know. I think it's I think it I think what what what's interesting is you know, there's been so much
0: focus primarily from women in the industry about like how the media and how I guess it's media industry just whatever like kind of conspired to create a narrative where they're trying to tear each other down and that there mm-hmm. can only be one. And so they, they, you know, you, you see a lot about how, you know, solidarity with female artists and, and, and other women artists just really trying to push back against that narrative and be like, we don't have to, you know, always be at each other's throats. Yeah. And I think I think to your point about the male the male perspective it's like if since neo wrote this he didn't think about what would a woman think like what what controversies would a woman have what would the narrative then be about that woman if she articulated this in this way mm-hmm. right cuz then you compare that to like a lizzo and like she very pointedly does not make it about other people right now granted this is like you know you know 10, 10 years down years the later. road yeah. But maybe not. Yeah. T- 10 years down the road. Well, and so we're, eight, we're in a different, seven. yeah. Like we're in a different place, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's again, it's like not thinking about like, it's like, it's like the lack of having a woman on the song, right? Like it's like yeah. it's ostensibly from a woman for a woman, but written by a man and like yeah. who doesn't have a woman's experiences. And, you know, maybe if it had been, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, I I don't know if that idea pops up in like uh, other of Carrie Hilson's songs that she wrote herself, you know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's so like, you know, about another woman, but like, it's almost, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a shame that like, it wasn't, it wasn't, not softened, but because that's the wrong word, but just, (laughs) you know, it it had more of that perspective and that understanding of like what this would potentially do to someone and like how it played out for her. And I mean, she talks about, you know, essentially like in in 2013 she was like begging people on twitter to like please leave her alone <laughs> she was like it's Poor been Carrie she was like it's been it's been years like i haven't been able to live this down like god has dealt with me and my mistakes and i think that's almost like an a, acknowledgement admission. of, of yeah. uh, admission of guilt yeah like that like yeah like all of the things that you wanted like the your punishment is that you'll never have them you know and she apparently went into like deep depression and has struggled with depression in the, in, yeah. in the different, in the ensuing 10 years. And
1: so, cause she has, she has reemerged recent, very yeah. recently speaking out about why she's been gone. What happened to her in the intervening years. Right.
0: Yeah. And she's, she's seemingly a much more like spiritual person, like presenting more like, you know, like she's in different spirituality. She's, she's been um, taking a lot of trips to Africa and, you know, getting in touch with like, just kind of, her African heritage. Mm-hmm. She's also, by the way, this year been talking about the coronavirus potentially being a conspiracy and oh, geez. Um, and uh caused by 5G. 5G. Get get and, off the internet um, people.
1: And close your <laughs> delete your Facebook account. So stop, she, looking, so, stop so people, looking at those. So
0: people came for her again
1: <laughs> 10 years later now. Carrie Olsen, can't you just can't you just can't you just Get it together out. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, it's I mean, and it, it is interesting because like there's there's just a lot of just, you know, there's stuff that happens for people and like that causes people to to say things. And, you know, I mean, she she apparently just lost her father this year as well. Like her father passed away. It's just, you know, you never know fully like what's going on and like how things are contributing to like what it is. But it's like it is, it is that thing where I mean, you are saying. These con- making these controversial statements yourself, through yeah. your
1: own channels. And so, I, I understand. Like, yeah. so. Like, even when even when this controversy happened with the turn in and on remix and Beyonce and maybe Sierra, like, she tried to face it pretty head on, yeah, I think. You yeah, know, in no, the way that, did. like, you know, that she said, like, this, this is no, this is not about Beyonce, no, this is not about Sierra, yeah, you know, she's willing to say that explicitly, whereas, like, you know, uh, Sierra had that song "Got Me Good." Got Me Good. Is that the song? There was a song that people were like, "Oh, this is a response <laughs> to Carrie Hilson." And in interviews, Sierra won't say, "No, it's not about Carrie Hilson." She's just like, "Well, I, you know, just kind of like, I, I hate people coming for me. So this is just a song to all the haters." You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, neither confirm nor deny, and it was like, just, you know. I mean... True or false, like, Carrie Hilson was able to just be like, no, no, it's not about Sierra. no, it's not about Beyoncé, you know?
0: You know, speaking of diss tracks and Rihanna, um, and, or, or Ciara, um... And you know, it's sort of this male energy that we were talking about and how like it seems out of touch. And yet, you know, there was that there was that that feud where what was Sierra saying? I think she was pushing back at Rihanna for something. And she was like, Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just gonna go back and like, you know, performing in these stadiums or state, you know, whatever, I'm gonna go back to performing. And then Rihanna just like tweeted, she was like, Good luck perform booking those stadiums that you speak of, or something like that. Oh. <laughs> the stages that you speak of, <laughs> I, <and laughs> oh Rihanna, oh I guess but, you know, but you know, but isn't that interesting though? Because I, I do want to, you know, as we talk about Carrie Hilson and "quote unquote" likability and like, you know, just like sort of all of this kind of conspiring to be again working against Carrie Hilson, right? And then mm-hmm. you look at someone like Rihanna, who is famously sort of prickly and like. I don't give a fuck. Almost to the point of being, like, I think you could almost say, like, like, Rihanna would terrify me. Yeah. Like, because she's so pithy with her comments or, like, when she replies to something or whatever. That, like, yeah. I think it's really funny, but also I'd be terrified. And I'm like, what's the difference? Because.
1: Well, I, think I mean, not to, what... I don't
0: mean that, I don't mean that, like, I don't know what the difference is, but.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I have, I, I think that Rihanna one has mm-hmm. more clout. Mm-hmm. She's on the top of the mountain. She's the Aretha so Franklin of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she like, there's certain artists that have crossed the threshold, mm-hmm. right. Where not only do they have enough influence to be able to like control that narrative, but they also, I think it's also a matter of like how well you feel like, you know, someone and, how that contributes to whether or not you, you give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of their intentions, right. That you feel to a certain extent, like, you know, Rihanna, you know, you give her the benefit of the doubt to be like, Oh, she's just trying to be funny. You know? Yeah. A little bit, at least, especially if you're her fan that you're seeing her make all these like pithy comments and you're like, Oh, she's just being funny. You know, that's her personality. Give her a break. But when you are not there yet, when you are a Carrie Hilson and people don't know what you're like behind the scenes, people don't yeah. know what your actually per actual personality is. The the second you make an odd comment out of context, that's like 90% of what people know about you is that you refuse to take a picture with a magazine cover featuring Beyonce and Jay-Z. Literally mm-hmm. that's like 90% of what I knew about Carrie Hilson before this week. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Sadly, you know, it's something that you kind of have to hold your tongue or carefully curate yourself until that point where you feel like people know who you are, like in a very genuine way. Because I feel like that's the thing about Rihanna is I think that like, yeah, she seems like a little bit prickly, a little bit pithy. She makes a lot of like off the cuff comments. But I think equally so, you see her, I don't know, like the Savage X Fenty Things that they put together for her fashion line or Mm -hmm. her involvement in like Fenty Beauty, her beauty line. Like there is a side of her that you see in the production of those things that seems very genuine, seems very kind hearted. Mm -hmm. That I think that you imbue those attributes back to anything else you hear from her. Yeah. So even if she is coming for someone or saying something that's a little shitty you give her the benefit benefit of the doubt the way that you would if it was someone that you knew personally yeah and we know nothing about and i think the overarching thing that we've been hitting repeatedly is like we don't feel like we know carrie helson as a person we don't feel like we get anything from her voice that Helps us kind of barnacle onto her in any way.
0: <laughs> well, into that point, if you would like to know about more about who Carrie Hilson is as a person and what's going on with her in her personal life, where can they go? She is advertising on Instagram on her. She's advertising, reaching out to her fans oh, yeah. to be potentially included on her close friends list. So that, how much is that because cost? i don't know but she does this video and she's like i have a hunch a feeling <laughs> i've got this monkey on my back that's telling me that you want to know more about who carrie hilson is okay and i've heard about this close friend's thing <laughs> she Because she posted about, like, oh, close friends lets you, like, show, like, certain things to certain people. Would you be interested in being on my close friends? It is. I watched it again. I watched it this morning while waiting for my coffee. And I was like, I mean, I mean, she looks good. She got a cute hat on. She had a nice purple lip. Like, it was done just, like, a month ago. Not even. Maybe August. So,
1: uh, yeah. Is she going to? is she going to charge for that? Is this like an only, I don't understand. I didn't know if it was like a contest. How are you going to manage your close friends list? And then that's just asking to be screen capped and posted on YouTube. But
0: it it was, but also it was like, like 400 likes on it.
1: Like, so her barometer, her temperature gauge for a lot of you want, this was a little bit off. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. She was taking the internal temperature. She thought it was Fahrenheit, but it's actually Celsius.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was, was you know, look, 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 I don't, we don't know her. We still don't know her. And maybe if we pay enough, we can get to know her a little bit more, apparently. But I don't, I don't don't know her. I don't, I I don't know her. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, Pretty Girl Rock, like, so, so, what is our, where do we come down on this? Like, at, as, as we, as we wrap this up, what is our feeling on this song?
1: Um, this song should not have signaled the end of Carrie Hilson's career. Okay. I think that the fact that this did signal the end of her career was, had nothing to do with the song itself. Well, a little bit to do with the song itself, but it had more to do with the hype behind the beef between her and Beyonce. And I think it had to do with how we how we view female singers beefing with each other as like not an acceptable thing to do, as comp- as compared to other other I genres. Ju- I just
0: don't like it in general. Like I tried to listen. I tried to listen to Drake's album.
1: Like I, I was like, oh god, this guy whines
0: about everyone. I was like, I can't listen to this
1: because I feel like I mean I feel like in the rap genre. I mean, I think that there are certain beefs that have taken their toll and irreparably damaged people's careers, right? Like, we've talked about 50 Cent and Ja Rule, but mm-hmm. like, God, who was Drake beefing with? Was Drake beefing with, like, Common? I don't remember. Like, I just, I don't care. I feel like, like, you there, know, it's were like certain, I there were certain but there were certain beefs that there were certain beefs that just felt a little orchestrated. Mm. I think especially with Drake, where the kind of back and forth In the vehicle of musical tracks, it just felt like an opportunity for both of those artists to kind of hype up the back and forth. And then at the end, come to like an uneasy truce Mm -hmm. to basically get the fan bases hyped up and then to calm them down a little bit and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. make it feel like everything's okay. Now that you've listened to our songs millions of times, Mm -hmm. you know, or gotten Mm -hmm. our names in the headlines X number of times, you know, Mm -hmm. everything's okay. Or unless unless you're like
0: Beyonce and you can, you can beef with your own husband over like three, over like three albums or whatever. And then,
1: and I think that's the thing about, okay. So, so when it comes to this whole Beyonce, Carrie Hilson beef too, it's like the interesting thing about the beehive is that the beehive will, it almost acts autonomously on behalf of Beyonce and Beyonce's hands are completely clean. When the beehive goes after someone, it's not like Beyonce ever expressed her own unhappiness about a situation, right? It's like the the beehive sees something on Instagram, on Twitter, on a podcast, watch out. But, (laughs) you know, they see something and they take it upon themselves to kind of swarm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that to me is kind of like a problematic aspect of it is that in that it's not like Beyonce ever incited her fan base against anyone else but her fan base did go after other people in in somewhat of a very beyonce fashion in a kind of above it all fashion i don't think that she very regularly acknowledges a lot of this stuff Mm. she doesn't
0: acknowledge anything really
1: yeah like and and so in that way all these situations that could be counteracted by a simple statement from beyonce are not de-escalated. I was looking at like all the people that were taken down by the Beehive, like Nick Cannon posting a photo of Beyonce as his woman crush Wednesday. And the Beehive got super pissed because Beyonce's a married woman. How dare you? <laughs> wow. Because really it, it, they're so protective and she never explicitly asks for any of it, but she also never explicitly disavows any of it, right?
0: Can you imagine like, Being able to do your job, while also being so passionate about someone that you're like secretly like a member of the beehive and taking down Nick Cannon, like how do you posting those
1: bee posting those bee emojis everywhere?
0: (laughs) Carrie needs the um the the miscarries babies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I don't want to know what emoji they would use for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Um, that's
1: that's pretty girl rock. (laughs) That's pretty girl rock. Um, It's a good. I mean, I've been listening to it on repeat one this whole time that we've been recording. And it's 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 got that truly fun, pop, neo, mid to late 2000s vibe that I think is just it's good. Yeah it's, before, yeah, it's it's, it's a, before R and B pop got very spare and pulled mm-hmm. back a lot, and it's before R and B pop went electro really hard into electro. It's just fun. It's nice. It's like I could be at a picnic, I could be running a marathon, I could be sitting here recording a podcast, and it's just it's just great in my head, and it it lifts me up, lifts That's me up,
0: Jason. Fantastic, <laughs> like a Josh Groban song. It lifts you up.
1: Yes, yeah, so those are my. Those are my two tentpoles, Josh Groban and Carrie Hilson. But really there not, because I hate Josh Groban. Oh, no! Hey, you should redeem him Okay, you know what? You know episode. what?
0: I'm gonna redeem him.
1: Okay. His Broadway can, album. Oh, it's so good. Then you can force me to listen to Josh Groban for... <laughs> for at least... For, for a week, or at least the morning of while I'm in the Starbucks parking lot.
0: <laughs> His version of What I Did for Love from the Chorus Line soundtrack. Oh, God, I... <laughs>
1: Ugh, I, I rue the day. Okay, anyway, we've we've talked a lot more about Carrie Hillson. We thought we were I, only
0: going to be able to do it for like
1: forty-five minutes. This full-on turned into a full-length, full court press defense of Carrie Hilson Kind of. Oh,
0: you know what? I no, I reject that.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> critical critical conversation critical examining analysis. the true nature of carrie hillson and where she is now join her okay. only fans nope not her <laughs> fans her close fan her close friends on instagram for an undisclosed amount yeah. hey you can do whatever on only fans i think yeah, you right
0: yeah yeah but people hate it like when you she
1: should get like a patreon really
0: yeah yeah that'd be better maybe she could do a podcast
1: i recently signed up for my for my first patreon
0: i i listened or i i do the adam ellis one
1: Oh, is it worth it? Does he get? Does he post lots of like exclusive content? I think he does. Okay, that never gets posted
0: elsewhere. Are you talking about cartoon nudes? Because oh, yes, wait, oh yeah, there is that.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, no, because that's the thing. But about no, Patreon he does sp- do
0: like the co- the comics. Yeah, like for sure. Like he do they does they, the like, long form. They launch ones. early. Or they launch early, and sometimes it's like like he'll do like a creepy comic series. Because like I like see those on story. Instagram, yeah. But sometimes I think there are that are just like that oh, okay. are just for Patreon. And I mean, it's like what, two dollars a month, so it's like.
1: Because like, I always have a hard time with Patreons, thinking like, I mean, sometimes I genuinely want to support someone. I don't care if I get anything extra. Yeah. But um, uh bizarre way of wrapping up this episode. I recently subscribed to a Patreon for this figure skating gossip wow. journalistic. You don't thing, even have to finish podcast, that, and I'm blah. just.
0: I'm just like kind
1: of agog. The world of figure skating is so bizarre, so controversial, and this guy, he's he's this, he's kind of catty, and he had gotten into trouble in the past with public videos on YouTube, and so a lot of the more salacious stuff was relegated to. The Patreon, and not even like the base level of the Patreon, you have to pay like I have to pay twelve dollars a month to get access oh to the solation stuff. But they do like two weekly live shows where they you wouldn't even on... pay for Disney Plus. I know, I know, but this is this is scandalous stuff. Like, I mean, you know, U.S. figure skating or uh, international figure skating, it's 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 similar to the types of controversies that you get with like gymnastics,
0: like molestation
1: like sexual abuse oh because God. you're dealing with like yeah, yeah, yeah. young women i mean uh, especially within like the genre of pair skating is like pair skating you have to find like a correct pair of man and woman the man has to be bigger the woman has to be very petite because the man has to be able to throw her yeah, in the air and yeah, throw yeah. her across the ice right um so often you do get these kind of Romeo and Juliet type of couples that are, the man is in his twenties. The girl is 15. Mm. Right. And it's a competitive sport. Uh, there's coaches, there's trainers, all kinds of people involved. And oftentimes in the spirit of competition, uh, the best interests of the athletes uh, physical, mental, and emotional well-being is not at the fore.
0: <laughs> I did not get that from the 1992 film The Cutting Edge with Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney as pair-skaters.
1: No, they were too similar in height to be a successful pair-skating team. Um, <laughs> I feel lied to. <laughs> anyway, um, Carrie Hilson, if you've got any exclusive content um, in that vein, I will I will pay for your close friends. Do I have to pay for? It? I don't know. We I don't know. But you though. know what? Anyway. You
0: know what? She's got, like I said, she had a cute hat, a big velvet curtain behind her for sound deadening, and uh, a beautiful purple lip. So I don't know that she needs your coin.
1: I think she does. Um, everyone, listen to Pretty Girl Rock because uh, every every stream will send Carrie Hilson one sixteenth of one thousandth of a cent.
0: You probably she probably makes more money if you watch her video.
1: Okay, do it. Yeah. All right. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, uh, special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs, songs and, and videos, and videos. Oh, wait is it me I'm green I don't know No, oh, yeah it is you sorry go ahead I'm green okay <laughs> songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website flopredeemer.com remember to rate review and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice and check us out on social media at Flop Redeemer on instagram and twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer if you have any opinions about anything or do you want us to go spotify exclusive so that you can hear the song in the, re- in the time that we're recording this or you don't care or you want us to stay on Apple Apple podcast do whatever email us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com sounds good all right bye folks bye